Welcome, Cork Dorks. Um, sorry, sorry. <laughs> go, 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 keep going. Let's roll on. Hi. Hi, I'm Luke Campbell, and I work for a small wine company, and he's Luke Morris. And I used to evaluate wines for an auction house. And together, we are Luke's Talk Wine. <laughs> we talk all things about wine and booze and popular culture. Thing, Think when to drink, why we drink it, and the culture that surrounds drinking. Hello, Luke. G'day, you cork dork. How are you? <laughs> very, very well. Lovely to hear your voice. And hello to the listening audience. Have we got an episode for you? Episode 9, Season 2. We've got a couple of <laughs> topics this afternoon coming at you, including this week's prime topic, which a lot of people will be interested in, actually. Additives in wine. Do winemakers add flavour to wine? That's our topic for today. Oh, and the listener question, actually, which came in from Greg in Stanmore, which I think is a suburb in Sydney, Greg says, how important is colour in wine? So we'll uh, ah. talk to Greg's question a little bit later on. But as always, and first <laughs> off, what's been happening in your wine world this week, pal? We talked a few weeks ago. About uh, uh, the the my work wanted me to do well not just me but everybody to do a wet set course and I was like I feel more obliged to do it than want to do it and so I I exited the course um in uh, a few days ago just said nah I can't be bothered and for, for partly when doing that I asked them what's the benefit of wet set why would why would I why would anyone really need to do it one of the big gaps is the proper way to taste wine. And I thought, what? And they said there's the systematic approach and the, all the blood, these, you know, and they started talking about this, you know, process and program to how to correctly evaluate and taste wine. And I, that was the point where I just went, this isn't for me. All right, you haven't even got past Can't... the tasting, Luke Morris. No, no, because no, I just thought, I have got to a point where I can do those sorts of sensory evaluations and you and I have both done, you know, played the options games and been able to stand yep. around and say, oh, yeah, that's that's Cabernet from Margaret River and it's probably a 92 and of that vintage it's probably a Mosswood or a Cullen. I'm leaning towards a Mosswood and then, you know, you're right. And because, you know... You decipher what's in the not... glass when you're doing options, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, deciphering is probably right, and you, you get to that skill. But the thing was, here's the thing, to wrap it up, to be succinct for you, Campbell, and I'm going to, mm. this is my question for you. Mm. I don't think any of that evaluation is about emotion. And I think customers, and I think people, and I think myself, connect more of an emotion about wine rather than being able to say it has cherry and some sarsaparilla characters and a bit of oh acids and can you taste the tannin at the back of the like no how does it make you feel and if, you, if it doesn't make you feel anything tip it out and if it does make you feel something then you know write about that don't give me boring guff on what kind of fruits of the forest it tastes like that's Anytime you want to work the word guff into a tasting note, uh, you get free reign. I, I love the use of the word guff yeah. there, Luke. Re response, yeah. I, I, love, I love this question of yours because wine is emotional. Wine is subjective. Everybody has an opinion. Um, I, I think it's really important 
to to know that most people most people want to know the language most people want to know the vocabulary around um do they really wine. they really doesn't do. that just confuse if, most people and this is what i'm getting at if to, to get that vocab and to get that language you really have to taste wine and moreover, you have to taste it in the same way every time. Whether that's connected to ocean, uh, whether that's connected to emotion, or whether that's connected to a formulaic systematic approach, it doesn't matter. As long as you always taste wine in the same way, your palate will remember it. And it, as you well know, we, we teach our advanced wine course, uh, which includes a formulaic formulaic approach to tasting. So we give people the power or the tools to learn how to taste like a professional first in the advanced wine course, which goes for four weeks and we run monthly here at, at Vinified. It's, it's taught both virtually and face-to-face, -face, but it's not an ad about the advanced wine course that we teach. What it is oh, is answering on. your uh, question. Yeah. Uh, answering your question is, is, is it you think it's mainly due with emotion? I, I had a conversation actually... I think I had I a conversation recently I with someone who was describing wine as color, and I found that really interesting. So for him, yeah. Cabernet Franc was you know a, a really deep purple. Sauvignon Blanc was that like highlighter yellow, like and yeah. that for me, as soon as he was synesthesia, as it sounds like to me. Yes, it, yeah, and it was just evoking. As soon as he said that highlighter yellow for. Sauvignon Blanc, I instantly knew what he was talking about. Like, and it was yeah. emotional. And I really yeah. kind of could relate to that. And I, I, like you, have had, you know, too many years of experience tasting wine blind, judging wine at shows around the place to, that I care to remember. But this guy, he wasn't from the industry and he related his emotions to colour around wine. And I thought, wow, that really works. So I think you're onto something there, tasting wine with emotion um, rather than a formulaic yeah, I think, approach. I think that formulaic approach is just something for people who want to do like wine judging or if you want to be a wine critic and, and use those words. But I still think oh, it's people just... People want to learn. People I think it just creates... A, it helps you... Read, knowing what all that stuff means sort of helps you decipher when you read those judging notes. But I still don't think that it really helps the general punter. And it doesn't, I don't, and I'm over it as a descriptor. Mm. Because people can just use whatever terms they want. And it still just feels vague to me. You know, I understand that the more someone can use berry and raspberry and blueberry and, um, let's just say passion fruit and apple and orange and like the more things somebody adds into a tasting note you can say oh well it must be you know for want of a better word complex because i hate it when someone uses the word complex it just means that they can't think of words but you know the more they use the more there must be in that product in, in that wine and that's good but you know i still don't think it's the same as saying this wine is you know hyper color t-shirt blue like I know what that is. That's distinct. That says something about that product, not just a generic string of words. We could do a whole episode on wine as a colour. We should do that. 
I'd, no, I'd love to get someone, that person you're talking about, because you know synesthesia, those who don't know what synesthesia is, it's effectively, to be honest with you, it's effectively a brain disorder, but it's a cool one. It's where your brain chemistry uh, connects um, and different elements. Sound, so Sound and lights, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Sound, and, sound light. and light is connected, colour and... Um, Taste. Touch might be connected, taste and uh, sound, or taste and color, and um, or even color and taste, and you know that the the it's a high it's a great skill to have if you work in perfumes and other things like that, because um, and painting, you, you find a lot of people in those industries as synesthetics. Anyway, it's, hmm. it's it's unique and cool, and I think it's something that we could use better yeah. than um, structured processes for tasting. Blah. Hi, this is Luke Morris from Luke's Talk Wine. I've written some books, so visit lukemorrisha.com.au. Go there, see the books, buy one, support the podcast. That's lukemorrisha.com.au, L-U-K-E-M-O-R-R-I-S-H-A.com.au. Have a great day. What's yeah, uh, do, do wine makers add passion fruit into wine, or do they add in the bay leaf aromatic? Luke Morris, do they add add those things into the wine? Do you know a really dirty story? This is true Ooh. that um, once in New Zealand, they um, this is this is this is a true story told by a friend of a friend of a friend. So you know, take mm. it with that much grain of salt. And I, I'm not I'm saying that only or true, true. Yeah, yeah, and and I'm not leveling this at New Zealand, but apparently, um, uh, some people came in to look at a winery, and they're from I think it was a Tesco company, and the winery was like, oh yeah, 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 you know, oh cool, everything's cool here, yeah, no, here's the Sab Blanc, here it is, yeah, no, it's all cool, okay, thanks, thanks for coming, okay, bye guys, bye, and as they were leaving, in drove. Um, a trucks full of apple juice or crushed apples or uh, an orchard and they're like don't that make cider what's, what's going on before that apple <laughs> um, and they did some investigation and uh, it didn't turn out well for that winery um, so no what should be in your glass in your bottle should be um Juice from a grapevine, and it should be named on the in Australian wine legal terms on the front of the label. That's why you see the words Cabernet and Sauvignon or Cabernet Franc or Sauvignon Blanc or any of those sorts of things. But occasionally we get, and you were talking about those terms before. Occasionally, you know, like you might get tobacco, or you might get passion fruit, or you know, like a. A Pinot Noir throws up mushrooms. Do the winemakers put mushrooms in there? What, 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 what's going on? No, no, no. It's, it's all the fruit. You know, you're more likely to get weevils and spiders and redbacks and uh, maybe a bird's nest or two caught up in the in the fruit. You're not going to get. Then no one, nobody's dumping in passion fruit like they do with the beer. It's not the same sort of cowboy industry as some beer enthusiast pumping their their they drink through a watermelon and then they're saying it's infused. Nah, we don't do that. <laughs> do we? Do you know of anybody who does that? Not in our wine industry, no. As much as I do get asked the We're question a, bit more a pure. lot. 
We are. We are pure. Pure as the driven snow, Luke Morris, in the wine industry. But there are certain additives that are allowed in wine. Things like yeast, things like sulfur, tannin, sugar, although sugar's not in the new world, so to speak. In France, it is. Uh, And then there's certain water, and then there's certain things for fining and clarification uh, used, whether that might be a milk product or egg whites or, um, you know, like fish gelatin, food grade things. Um, What else do they add? They they can add acids, they can add certain um, stabilizers in Australia and things like that. Um, But that's about the gist of it. There isn't any excess fruit or anything like that dumped in. The actual aromatic spectrum or the flavor spectrum that you might come it might come through the wines is simply what it reminds you of when people when you read those tassy when notes we talk about that stuff. Yeah. forest floor it's literally a, a memory what those kind of aromatics are evoking what memories they're evoking and that's how we describe them it's kind of strange though yeah. isn't it like because you get some weird and wonderful uh descriptors don't you luke Moss? oh tobacco is a cracker Coffee. I was telling someone the other day how I don't drink any coffee, but I've written down coffee as a tasting note a few times. Like it's, sometimes I'm guessing, oh, this is what this is tobacco. Yeah, I don't smoke, but I guess so. Yeah, it's really smoky. It's like a woman who's just been in a nightclub, but she's come out and you know, we we're describing a reasoning. I was describing a reasoning, you know, using my emotive scale as a woman in a 1950s dress and probably in a smoky nightclub has stepped outside and is you know hot stepping it across some cobblestones as it's raining a little bit so you get a bit of stone wet stone a little bit of smokiness and this lovely flowing um uh palette and that was a south african riesling that i was drinking or you could just write down <laughs> lemons and limes and blah 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 how did your tasting note, uh, how was it received, Luke Morris? Uh, I think I was laughed at. And uh, then people started to want to use boring tasting terms, which were, you know. Uh, well, I think I think the memory, uh, the memory that it evokes is a great place to start. It's a great jumping off point. Like, I, I agree with you. Tasting notes can get a little bit boring, so it's nice to add a little bit of zest in it, pardon the pun, a little bit of, I see what you did there. Zeal, yes. Um, but so, you know, back to your point, though. Do we? What do we add stuff to? Yeah, exactly. What's the stuff that we're adding? So when when people see stuff on the label, it's like all the stuff we've talked about. What would you? What have a guess, Campbell? Because I don't really know. Would it be Mm. like ninety nine point nine at least percent of what is in the bottle is grape juice and then there might be 0.01% of additives as required during the winemaking process. Do you think it'd be... Well, the, the additives are, yeah, exactly 0.1%, absolutely, as required. But you've also got, uh, as well as water, as well as wine, you've got water, so... Yeah, but that, no, know. that's if that's if in the grape juice. That's just part of that. No, I think you're right there. Point, what did you say? 0.01%. That's about right. Yeah. It's not a very big, you know, it's, we're, yeah. we're talking about, you know, milligrams uh, per litre really aren't like it's, um, yeah. Yeah. 
And I'm including the fact that, you know, within the 99.9%, you've got your whatever percentage of alcohol. That's all part of the grape additives. Yeah. Tiny, tiny, tiny. So out of the additives that we can use legally, so whether it be, you know, a bought-in yeast or whatever or, you know, that kind of thing, um, what, do any of those impart flavour, yeast, tannins, finding clarification uh, agents? Do you say that they impart a flavour? I'm just trying to drill down here on the additives. Tannin, uh, tannin obviously can because it's tannin, but people add tannin for different reasons. Same with adding acids and um, because it can stabilise colour and help with colour and that doesn't really impart flavour. It just uh, impacts on the colour and colour is, you know, you eat with your eyes and that can be an important element. Um what I would say, though, rather than imparting flavour, it can clarify flavour, which is why you have all those um, fining agents, which are designed to, you know, filter through a wine and sink at the bottom of a casket or whatever it is, and you know they don't actually wind up in the bottle, but they help draw out other gunk, so that you wind up with more pristine flavor of the fruit so you're talking about fish eggs milk you know clay those kind of silicon things that they use um those sorts of things so rather than imparting flavor they're they're designed to um clarify the flavor and and not actually be in the wine just to highlight what the wine is yeah Hmm. and that helps with flavor and yeast, yeast, uh, depending on which yeast you use, whether you're oh, yeah, using your yeah. own indigenous yeast or a, a bought yeast, these yeasts can certainly change a wine on its head, whether red or white. They can, um, yeah. would you say they can impart a certain flavour? Oh, it's true, yeah. Yeah, mm. yeah. You'd, you'd, you'd know, you, you, you've, you've, you've travelled and worked in some wineries, you know that there's different yeasts, cultures, people use for different grape varietals to help with different, um, I can't remember what the process is. I think it is about uh, temperature that your yeast is happy with and the speed of the ferment that it will work to and that will um, alter the, the flavours that are extracted. Yeah, I think, I think you're spot on right? there. Like ye- ye- different kinds of yeast greatly affect your, your flavour in the resulting wine. Like, and it's all about that, how you use it, whether it's the ambient yeast at a particular temperature or you know which has come in from the wine the vineyard or whether it's a cultured yeast which has been brought in from outside but you also you know and whether they work with the you know the vitamins that are in the the grapes naturally and how they process the sugar it depends on what type of flavor what type of flavor they impart you know like in if anybody can remember the, the the matchstick or the flint of Chablis, or sometimes you get a, a re- reductive slash mushroom note in your Chardonnays, like these are all yeasty kind of notes that um, that are imparted just by the, the different use the uses of different yeasts, and um, I think I think it's probably a fairly big one for imparting flavour. I mean, some oh, some some I reckon, from- yeah, I reckon Doug who's uh, looking after the ferment has a pretty big role to play 
uh, whether or not you've cleaned your equipment and how good Doug is at maintaining the ferment or Samantha or whoever's doing the job, they're, they're, the, they're the big big spanners that get thrown in the works. you gotta, you got to remember the human element. That's why we, you know, praise winemakers. Do, do we, yeah, you, you don't tend to see labelled used this yeast. It might be made by... Well, no, Dan you, you see... Well, they, what's, what's the... Um... You do see it now, you, but you see it wild yeast, wild yeast. Oh, wild oh, yeast! Wild, yeah, but crazy. you can't tell what that's going to. Yeah, <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> but I do like that. You see it on some wine bottles. Wild yeast. What do you think of wild but, yeast? Well, I I love the use of wild yeast. I think of wine fermenting under its own steam from its own yeast yeast family is a wonderful exercise and you generally have this more artisanal uh, approach to a wine that's fermented under its own wild yeast. Um, and, but, you know, that's not always commercially viable. You know, there's great wines made with commercial yeast, you know. like um, Because wild know, yeast wet... is will be present on the grape skins when they arrive in the winery. And the idea is that the winery has never had any other yeast in there before. So if you've used packet yeast before, you're stuffed because that will be floating around in the environment. But if it's yep. completely new winery and you're just relying on the, the, the yeast that are existent in that environment, you know, you just got to hope that the natural Australian yeast that exists around there, you know, Vegemite, you got to hope that your Vegemite yeast is going to ferment your... You know, Chardonnay grapes exactly the way you want them to. It's a bit of a risk. That's why people don't usually use them. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a, it's a big risk, I think. Um, and they're a, a completely more uh, volatile. So, yeah, it, it, it yeah. is a risk. Yeah, As you say, Doug or Samantha have to be pretty careful. Got to be careful, Doug or Samantha. <laughs> Uh, sugar, we're not, allowed to have, we're not allowed to have sugar, so our, our grapes don't struggle to ripen at all, so we're not allowed to chat the lies in our fair country. So, um, But whether if you're in California or, um, you, know, South, you know, France or South Africa or whatever, these producers can add sugar uh, or grape concentrate is usually added, so that, that would certainly make a little bit of a flavour difference too, wouldn't it? It would be richer, it would be... Fuller, what do you reckon? That'd have a bit of a difference, wouldn't it? Oh, the sugar, you know, they're increasing sugar because they have either cooler temperatures and they're trying to get their alcohol level up. Yep. And so they need Very more good. sugar in the juice to for the yeast to eat. And it still That's happens. It still happens the world over. Maybe not here, but um, yeah. amazing. Yeah. So additives. So flavors aren't necessarily added to wine, but wine does have additives in it. So. It's a fairly broad topic, actually, and we've only just scraped the surface on it tonight and what you need to know about wine additives. It's a very, very broad topic, but we've covered the nitty-gritty of it all. Um, should you want to expand on that, don't hesitate to email us at lukestalkwine at gmail.com and we can answer any further questions. Um, and we could even probably drill down on, on the other additives on whether we're talking about sulfurs and all that but i didn't want to bore the pants don't off bring today. up sulfur let's no, not no, talk no. about sulfur <laughs> uh i won't talk about sulfur today but what i will talk about is our listener question from greg in stanmore which came through uh late late last week is how important is 
color in wine, Luke Morris. Uh, you mentioned to earlier in this episode, actually, you eat with your eyes. How important yeah. is color in wine? Let's discuss some pigmentation, if you will. I think it's pretty. I think it's pretty important. I think uh, you, if you look at a, a very deep, sounds like you just opened up a cork on a bottle. Did you open? Have you opened up a cork, Campbell? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I was looking for my cough button. Actually, are you really? I, don't have a cough button. I was. Yes. What are you drinking? <laughs> no, I'm, not, I'm drinking water, Luke Morris. Thank you. And I would ah. love to be drinking, but that's a bit boring, isn't it? I'd love to be drinking something. I normally have a uh, glass of sparkling water here, but I have nothing uh, this afternoon. Uh, but no, I was actually ah. looking for my cough button, so I turned around and coughed. Sorry, listening audience. Didn't mean to cough. Oh, okay. What's the watercolour like? Is it cloudy? No, no. Talk about the watercolour because I think it's relevant. Is the water Water crystal clear or is it cloudy? It's crystal clear. Is is that more appealing to you than a wine than a water that would be completely cloudy? That is more appealing to me. Yes. Yeah. Same sort of deal with wine. If if what you're expecting is uh, what you get in the glass, you know, if you get a deep coloured Shiraz, your brain sort of thinks, oh, great, deep colour, deep, I love deep, thick red wine, terrific. Um, you haven't even tasted it yet and you're already sold on the product. You know, it's like packaging. We talked about that previously. Big, heavy mm. bottles make people think, oh, cool, this is, look at the size of that punt, this must be good. You haven't even tasted it yet. You're already sold on the well, product. Season one, actually. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Wayne man. Um, yeah, so color is important for that. I, I had a I had a wine a couple of days ago at a, at a tasting, and I just looked at the color and I thought, oh, this is so cherry gum. This is going to be cherry gum violet, and it was, but it was so beautifully bright and fresh. I just thought this is going to be lovely and vibrant and light, like, and it was. If I tried to sell you a, 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 a Chardonnay that was pink, what would you think? Mm. Eyebrows would be raised. Yeah. But if I sold you, tried to sell you a Chardonnay that was, I say, rather golden in colour, what would you think? Ooh, I'd be thinking buttery Margaret River goodness. Yeah. There you go. You haven't even tasted it yet. And you're already oh, looks tasty impacted by the colour. Yeah. There you go, Campbell. There's my answer. It's a very good answer. It does colour matter? It really does. For the grapevine itself, very colour is largely responsible for the grapevine, the grapevine's ability to survive. Like it's the red wine colour is a major factor in determining its mouthfeel and the ageability of a wine. If you can consider how colour functions in a wine throughout the winemaking process, producers, he or she, Samantha or Doug, they make choices that determine its stability, its mouthfeel, and longevity in the winery based on that colour. Plants use colour in a you variety. You mean the, the colour from the vine? But yeah, the colour, the colour of the fruit. You know, which let's face it, you know, the skins give up ninety nine point nine percent of the colour, right? So, in, in some yeah, ways, yeah, you can alter that in a lot of ways. Well, that's what I'm just saying. Like the the winemaker, he or she determines the stability and mouthfeel and longevity based on the colour. Don't you reckon? Uh, not really. 
don't they you try and try. doctor that based on their wine making? Well, that, that, that's what I'm saying. The producers, he or she, can make choices based and determine based on the colour. So if you if you think about like so without um, tasting the wine, they're going to adjust. You know how much time they spend on the skins will impact. Well, much, the, you know to a degree how much colour will be extracted. The and, sheer colour of the juice will provide them with the answer. When do I taste it? How do I taste it to make those decisions? Ah, during the fermentation. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. To a degree. Yeah, but and also yeah. like on the vine, right? Grapes don't begin to turn until the um, grapes don't begin to change colour until the seeds are, are viable and releasing all those natural tenants anyway. So colour is even, you know, important when it's on the vine, let alone when it's off the vine. It, the colour that expresses its way is where it shifts towards red and becomes visible, visibly red. The higher and the darker that hue is, you know, you know the anethiocins are working, you know your mouthfeel is going to be quite rich, you know the skin's getting thicker. I think I think color is important, but then you you think about the glass, and you ask the question about Chardonnay, you know, uh, and I would come back to you with a, a Pinot Noir, whether it's almost opaque or whether it's a very pale pink. You know, I, I don't think that is very important. It's important from a sales point of view because people automatically have a perception about a wine if it's pale in yeah. color. Um, but does that does that paleness, and this is the crux of the answer, I guess, for Greg and Stanmore, is the crux, the crux of this question is, is that colour important to the flavour on your mouth, in your mouthfeel? Yeah, I've seen, uh, I've seen experiments. Um, saw not very controlled one with um, uh, John Cleese and um, yeah. he gave people wine in a, a let's, let's call it like a, a coffee cup and people couldn't tell the difference between red wine and white wine and you also will have experienced tasting wine from I assume one of those black glasses where you can't see the colour mm-hmm. and you taste yep. it and your senses are so dumbed uh, down, down devalued de- stripped Sensitized. of influence from the colour Desensitized from the color that you that you humans struggle to impart whether or not this is a shiraz or whether or not it's a riesling. Crazy as it sounds, color is very it important. Is, it, it is very difficult. I had to rely when tasting wine out of those black glasses. I had to yeah. rely on my formulaic, systematic approach to tasting. You, however, uh, would have to rely on emotion. Yes. What you feel? Does it feel like a riesling? Yes. <laughs> it is, for the listening audience, it actually, we joke, it is actually very difficult to taste wine out of a black glass. Um, it is. And yeah, I, I had to rely heavily on your sense of smell rather than taste because your taste is absolutely befuddled and bemused by the fact you can't see it. Uh, and when you look into it, it's not really a help either because the glass is completely black. Um, great for training, not so much fun at dinner parties. Ah, <laughs> uh, but color. So, so we color, haven't actually answered. Color is important in answer. wine making, and color is important in in wine tasting. Color is important in sales. Color is important in lots of ways. This is this is the nub of the issue. Is a color in yeah. wine important 
to wine drinking. Well, yeah, because it's, it's important to your enjoyment of the wine. You've already, if you strip colour away from it, you, you yourself have already said that you, you find it hard to taste the wine as as easily. Yeah. And people yep. do find it hard to differentiate between, you know, Riesling and Shiraz. The, the yep. colour, the, a vibrant red people will look at and know that they're going to enjoy potentially if they like that sort of thing. A golden Chardonnay, they're already thinking, oh, I'm going to love this buttery Chardonnay. I'm going to have a great time here. You're primed based on the colour, to either say, yep, I'm going to have a good time or nah, I'm about to have a crappy time, you know, looks. Yes. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen, but we have store mannequins that are slender and and wear the nicest clothes because looks are important. Yes. All right, okay, yes. No, colour is important when drinking wine. I agree. Agreed. I guess none of this to say that wines that had a lower concentration of colour cannot age well. Many of the longest-lived Pinot Noirs I have have been light in colour, you know, and, of course, there are other factors that may lead to a wine's lightish colour um, and the wine's resistant to ageing, like acid plays a factor there, sugars and alcohols and all that sort of stuff. But, yes, I think to answer your question, Greg, colour is very important in wine, wine making and wine drinking. What have you been drinking this week, Luke? <laughs> um, I have... Uh, oh, we had a party uh, for my sister who's flying back to England. Uh, she's gone. She's back in England. Um, and my... Uh, one, of my one of my family members brought out the a, um, 2002 Dom Perignon. Um, and that was... You mentioned aged... Chardonnay, uh, champagne not long champagne. ago, and that was quite golden and and uh, rich and developed, and yeah, that was a, that was lovely. And, and uh, I had a um, had a young champagne that was you know not of the Dom Perignon level, but uh, young champagne to sit next to it, and uh, you could really see the difference between the two. It was really kind uh, uh, of that that Dom Perignon was quite developed, but also you know really. Good drink, yeah, that was enjoyable. What a wonderful exercise! What have you been, what have you been having, Campbell? Uh, what have I been having? I've been having this week actually. I'm off the Chardonnay train and I've picked up a bottle of Pinot. Actually, uh, it was a Mornington Peninsula Pinot, and just because I was looking for something different, uh, so I've hopped down the road to Mornington this week and I've been drinking Pinot. I've had a couple of different versions actually, but one in particular. Um, and I wish I had some to sell, was the Dexter Pinot, which is Todd Dexter's yes. wine from his family estate. Uh, he and his Todd wife, Todd Dexter's Debbie, still kicking uh, around. He is, and he's still making some phenomenal wines. This was the 2019. I plucked it uh, from my cellar. I think his current vintage is 2020, uh, but the 2019, yeah, just deep and black. Very, very distinctive, distinctively Mornington, moreover. It's, um, but, mate, I, I loved it. It was just really kind of um, just just supple with that sweet mid-palate and lovely kind of mushroom overtones. It was very, it was great Pinot, but very dark in colour, actually, which is, you know, was it important that I drink something dark, a Pinot that's dark? It didn't turn me off drinking it, that's for sure. <laughs> was it a richer Pinot or was it? 
It was. It was a richer, full-bodied Pinot, much darker. If, uh, if, it, if it was a person, what kind of person would it be? Oh, it would have been a, a, a rock star. Yep. Like uh, Akadaka or Cold Chisel or Foo Fighters or... Um, well, yeah. The Bare Naked Ladies of, or Goo Dolls. Taylor Hawkins. It, or... it might have been Taylor Hawkins. It had a big rock-rollicking smile on it. It was really rich and it just had a lot of energy. So in memory of uh, one of the best rock and roll drummers of all time, it was Taylor Hawkins. That's who it was. Thank you, Todd Dexter. Right. And thank you, the Mornington Peninsula. Bang. There you go. Bang. Most of already. Absolutely. Hey, I've been Luke Campbell. You can find me on Instagram at vinified underscore wine underscore services. He's been Master Luke Morris Esquire. Where can we find you, Luke Morris? <laughs> um, I'm going to a lot of the comedy festival gigs. So just uh, if you in Melbourne, come to some comedy festival gigs. And uh, if you um, see me or hear my voice, come say hi. Excellent. Otherwise found on Instagram at Luke Morris Hutt. Support his endeavours. He's got books. He's got uh, book signings coming up, I'm sure, all around the joint, haven't you, Luke? I'm sure. Otherwise... Oh, yeah, I'll be signing books just in bookshops, <laughs> just random books. It's always fun to do. <laughs> Not your own books, just random books. We love it. That's, oh, yeah, no. I'm, I'm, I'm Charles Dickens half the time. It's good fun. <laughs> particularly on the inside of something written by J.K. Rowling's. Anyway. <laughs> hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for joining us in Episode 9. We will be back, God willing, <laughs> next week. But thank you very much for listening. And in the words of Tony Barber, keep smiling and bye for now. Vinified are the wine cellar's specialists. We're Australia's only personal sommelier service. Our sommeliers work with you to build your cellar. Our aim is to bring you the wines from the freshest new producers, all based on your tastes. We can come to you, source your wines, present tastings. Think of Vinified as your wine concierge. We can do retail, we can do tastings, we can host your dinner parties, or we can procure you that rare wine. Vinified is proud to be associated with Luke's Talk Wine. www.vinified.com dot au